0: Is that how you say that word?
1: A lathe?
0: Or is it a lathe? Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Todd, do you know that instrument? Yeah, it's a lathe for making baseball bats and stuff? Yeah. It's (laughs) a lathe. Well, Mitt Romney, I just saw in the gym like an hour ago, on the treadmill, watching uh, politics, and there was a clip of Mitt Romney um, from last (laughs) night, I guess, Uh, Saying, you know, my father came. My father dropped out of high school and went to work as an apprentice, and he knew how to use a lathe. And I thought, (laughs) lathe. And then I thought, well, I don't know how to use a lathe, so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not lathe. Heard of
1: that?
2: (laughs) It it or it may be the uh, Massachusetts way of pronouncing it. You know, not that Mitt Romney has a Jack Kennedy accent, but maybe in Massachusetts
0: they say it lathe. I don't know. Or in Michigan, they say a lot. But I don't know. This may be the clip of next week if it <laughs> catches fire and people say, oh, this is another failed Mitt Romney attempt to make himself look like a regular right. guy <laughs> or at least Every man. the heritage of regular guy. And he can't even do that, right? Well, this is It's a Free Country, the podcast. I'm Brian Lehrer with Todd Zwillick, Washington correspondent for The Takeaway and filling in for Anna Sale this week. It's a free country blogger, Carol Markowitz. Hi. And, Carol, you have the envelope this week, and we will begin with the envelope for who had the most revealing clip from last week's show, me, Todd, or Anna. Um, now
2: Carol, this is an august responsibility now, what you're doing. Don't take this lightly.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: And remember where the paper recycling bin is <laughs> when you're done with it.
1: Okay. The winner of last week's most revealing clip, as voted by listeners to the podcast, is, drumroll, Anna, for her clip of Mitt Romney saying he's not concerned about the very poor. That's two wins in a row for Anna. Second place was Todd for his clip of Newt Gingrich saying that it's a long, long road to the convention and that he's going to stick it out.
0: And I'll channel Anna since she's not here and say... (laughs) (laughs) Yay! <laughs> <laughs> let,
2: let me stipulate this clearly means that we do not have a must-be-present-to-win rule here on the It's a Free Country podcast. That's clear.
0: Do right. not have to be present to win, luckily.
2: All right, fair enough. Just, just <laughs> nailing that down for next time.
0: Luckily. Where do they do must-be-present-to-win?
1: Vegas, um, casinos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Yes. Any, place where they, any place where they want to get you in the room, like a raffle or something, must be present to win, where they want to make sure you're in the room to sell you other things. I guess I so. This has gotten to be pretty fierce competition. I'm, I, I'm going to uh, bring back a clip. If we want to move on to this week's competition, I think I'm going to go first, if that's okay with you guys. Yes, sure. and I'll
0: just say to close up uh, the other thread. Oh, sure. That obviously Romney just keeps giving incredible gifts to the universe of <laughs> quotes of the week. Todd, you had that winning clip a few weeks ago where he talked about his 15 percent tax rate. And now he gets out there and uh, says, I don't care about the poor, very poor. I don't care about the very rich. And even if it was taken out of context, these things are painting a picture of Mitt Romney that people are going to remember. doesn't mean he's not going to be elected president, but they are definitely – definitional yes. to this year.
1: Romney definitely is rich. <laughs> Seems the, to be are, the message. <laughs> in a way that he
0: has com- discomfort talking about.
1: Right, right. Yes.
0: Okay, now listeners, remember, you are supposed to vote after listening to the podcast today who has brought the most revealing political soundbite of the week. Todd, oh, you're I up. have the
1: best one for sure. <laughs> oh,
0: that's what uh, you think. Uh, we'll
2: see. So I'm going to cheat a little bit here. This is supposed to be the most revealing clip of the week, but I'm going to take you back to Janu- January 24th. Tuesday. To the words of the president of the United States himself, this is Barack Obama at the State of the Union in the House chamber uh, talking about what he calls the corrosive influence of money in politics. And it's not a clip from this week. I stipulate it, but I'm bending the rules and you'll see why. Listen
0: to the president. I've talked tonight about the deficit of trust between Main Street and Wall Street, but the divide between this city and the rest of the country is at least as bad. It seems to get worse every year. And some of this has to do with the corrosive influence of money in politics. So together, let's take some steps to fix that. Send me a bill that bans insider trading by members of Congress. I will sign it tomorrow. Todd, I'm not going to challenge that clip for its admissibility. I will, however, point out, uh, just for the sake of our voting public, that that was the clip that Anna won with two weeks ago. Sneaky, Maybe so.
1: Todd. <laughs>
2: Maybe so. And yet I urge people to forget their previous votes on how they may have voted two weeks ago because it's not the clip itself that's revealing, but it's this week around the clip that's revealing. Let me bring you back to that speech again. Not so much in what the president said about the corrosive influence in money in politics, talking about insider trading by members of Congress or the behavior of lobbyists, but what he didn't say, everybody who follows politics, when the president talked about The corrosive influence of money in politics assumed he would turn around and attack Citizens United, attack super PACs, attack a lack of disclosure in big money from unions and corporations and and rich people flowing into super PACs. He didn't do that, and you scratched your head and said, hmm, why didn't he go there? He's gone there before, and this week, you guys, we learned exactly why he didn't go there, and you know where I'm going with this. The Obama 2012 campaign turns around. Jim Messina, campaign director, turns around and says, well— the President has changed his mind, and so have we. We are releasing our bundlers and our and our campaign surrogates, even cabinet members, big money fundraisers, to go ahead and encourage donors to give money to big super PACs supporting the president 's reelection campaign. This is a one hundred and eighty for the president, and I know Anna used this clip before, but it it has just become. An order of magnitude more revealing than it was when Anna won in the first place because we were all wondering why the president didn't talk about super PACs. Now we know why. They've seen Mitt Romney's ability to attack his opponents using super PAC money in the primaries. The Democrats were looking at their campaign fundraising through the campaign so far, looking at how much Republicans, particularly Mitt Romney and his supporters, have managed to raise through their super PACs, and they realized, we're going to get outclassed, we're going to get outbombed on the airways, we're going to have to go negative against Mitt Romney in the general election, and we better reverse ourselves here and encourage our surrogates, our bundlers, our fundraisers to go out and encourage people to give... This loosely regulated and loosely disclosable money to super PACs, even though the president has directly criticized it as corrosive to our democracy, we have to use it anyway. And that, to me, is a gigantic reveal of the state of our politics.
0: Good clip, good story, and lucky for President Obama that Rick Santorum won three states on Tuesday night because it changed the story in the news cycle from what might have been a relentless focus on that. But I want to ask you guys... What's Obama to do? Democrats always face this. If Democrats don't actually believe in politics controlled by big money, and Republicans do, and Carol, you'll tell me if you Uh, accept that stipulation, (laughs) Um, but if Democrats don't compete on this playing field— They lose, since the money does matter to the outcome.
1: I mean, it's very sweet um, to believe that Democrats think like that. But I was, you know, around for the 2008 election, as we all were. And what I saw was the Republican candidate stayed within the campaign finance guidelines and used, um, you know, only the maximum amount allowed, whereas Obama raised all the money he could possibly raise and um, took down McCain in the most brutal way ever. And Todd was saying that we were all surprised that Obama didn't go there or that Obama um, is going to participate in the super PACs. But to use a Bushism, it's not uh, my first rodeo, and uh, I had no such surprise. I completely expected that Obama was going to um, play, by by whatever rules he wanted to, to raise as much money as he possibly could to win the election. This is not a man of principle, is my ultimate thought on Obama. He... He's not a bad person. He's not, uh, he, he's not some evil guy. He's just a guy that likes winning, and he is not going to let anything like principles get in his way
2: all that. politicians like winning
1: all true, politicians true. insist yes, on but winning but none of them they, they, have the you know the the absolute glorified hope and change message from 2008 nobody ran on that kind of campaign where they were going to lower oceans um, that's really unusual and for obama to play both sides of that to both be the guy that was going to change politics but then actually changed it only for the worse is is a little unique
2: Right. Well, Carol, you're a partisan, and I'm not, and um, so I'm not going to defend the president's decision here. I, what I will do, for the sake of our discussion, is is, um, is is sort of give the Democratic reply to this argument, which is essentially this: uh, the president has spoken out uh, uh, spoken out against the Citizens United decision. Democrats have sponsored bill after bill that would have prevented the Citizens United decision, or fixed it, or forced disclosure. The president doesn't want to do this, but Having a principled view doesn't matter if you lose, and if the president loses the election, he'll never get to have, have his say. This is not my position. Again, this is the Democratic response to to uh, to, to, to this argument. Sure, um, but Hube- you know.
1: To, to be fair, I, I was never a fan of John McCain. I was anybody but McCain the whole way through last election up until you know it was him versus Obama. I um, really didn't like his campaign finance reform, but he did stick to it. And if nothing else, he really did live up to the, his principles there. And he lost, may, you know, maybe because of them.
0: But are you really saying, Carol, that Obama, in general, is not a man of principle? I will completely agree with you about 2008 when Obama walked away from the public financing system because he knew he could raise a lot more money than John McCain. I was horrified by that. I think a lot of people were horrified by that who follow and believe in some kind of limits on campaign spending, on money in politics. Um, But in general, isn't he a guy who comes from a place of commitment To values, to making the world a better place, and yes, maybe he's making some compromises along the way for political reality, but to say he's not a man of principle, Mm -hmm. that's pretty extreme.
1: Um, I I had a a piece in uh, It's a Free Country just a few days ago about how— for example, on gay marriage. We all sort of believe that Obama's really for gay marriage. We don't, you know, he doesn't say so, but we all kind of undercurrent is that we, we think he's for it.
0: And he's taken a political dive on it all these years.
1: Completely. And he he just keeps saying about how he's evolving, and he's, he's evolving, but he'll never take the political chance to actually evolve. He he won't. Uh, he might do it if he gets elected to a second term, even though I, I'm still not sure um, that he would take that kind of, uh, even legacy risk. Um, so, I, I I don't see him as particularly principled, no. And, I, and it, it's fine to still like his politics and believe that he's the best candidate uh, to represent those politics, but to call him a principled leader, I don't see it.
0: Well, let's leave that conversation there for another day. <laughs> Listeners, uh, you certainly can um, tweet at us. We're going to use a hashtag for next week, what matters. And if you think this conversation about... Barack Obama being a man of principle or not matters. You can use the hashtag WhatMatters and get in on the conversation. Or you can post to itsfreecountry.org. But, Carol, you are next up with your entry in the, which is the most revealing political soundbite right, of the gonna week. going to win. Sweepstakes. <laughs>
1: uh, I have Eric Erickson, uh, editor of Red State, giving his endorsement. Finally, everybody's been looking forward to seeing who he would endorse, and it's a good one.
3: I've put it off long enough. I I didn't think that I was going to endorse. I didn't even know that I really wanted to endorse because I haven't really been inspired to endorse. Well, tonight here on the Eric Erickson show, I'm going to make my endorsement for president of the United States of the candidates running for president of the United States, Mitt Romney, New Gingrich, Rick Santorum on the Republican side. And well, I guess I'll throw in Ron Paul there as well. Uh, my choice for president of the United States is the sweet meteor of death. Yes, that's right. The the sweet meteor of death. Now, I've decided um, they, a, a pox on all their houses. They, they, they're all terrible. I, I doubt any of them can beat Barack Obama unless the economy goes back down, which it may very well. In which case, they don't need my endorsement. They'll have the economy.
1: But he doesn't want to root for a bad economy is the, the ultimate point there. And he speaks for all of the Republicans, I think, that I know in wishing for the sweet meteor of death.
0: What is Sweet Meteor of Death? Is that from a movie I didn't no,
1: see? I don't know. I think he just made it up. <laughs> Carol, uh, here's my question. Yeah. Here's
2: here's my question. And, and a lot of people were waiting for Eric Erickson's endorsement. Uh, journalists uh, listened to those clips uh, and read his tweets because he is a a, a, a growing and prominent voice of the right. Mm-hmm. So here, here's my question. Um, talking, you know, he says many of these, these candidates probably don't have a chance to beat the president unless the economy takes a downturn. Um, Would... Would a principled Republican candidate talk down the economy or would principled Republicans in Congress uh, try to obstruct uh, job-producing programs uh, in order to force the economy down in order to win the election? Should they? And is that something that a principled politician would do if it's their only chance well,
1: to beat the president? I'm glad you mentioned obstructionism because I have a post in on It's a Free Country Today on Republican obstructionism and how I was reminded um, – by hearing Giselle criticize the, the Super Bowl catchers who couldn't catch Tom <laughs> Brady's ball, I was yeah. reminded of uh, Republican obstructionists, you know, that, that, that rhetoric. It's not Republican obstructionists who don't let Obama get his bills through. It's the fact that he can't make nice and, and really work with the other party. Mm-hmm.
0: What does someone like Eric Erickson communicate when he says he would rather have the sweet meteor of death than Mitt Romney or Rick Santorum or Newt Gingrich or Ron Paul, Uh, we've got, you know, why doesn't he get out there as a scion of the right and say, we've got some great candidates this year. (laughs) No one's perfect, but I will enthusiastically support any one of them over Obama. Instead, he said he will support any one of of them over Obama, but he would prefer the sweet meteor of death to (laughs) any one of them. So, I mean... Gosh, you know that's what Democrats had in two thousand and eight with Barack and Hillary. They were enthusiastic about voting for either one over the Republicans after mm-hmm. eight years of bush. but what 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 is Eric Erickson really getting out here? What like does he want
1: rem- it- Democrats need to think back to 2004, where they ended up with John Kerry. And I just remember all my Democratic friends being so despondent, like, I can't believe that this is who we got to run against George W. Bush. And that's really what we feel like, except we still have four four candidates left. Um, But they're all so weak. Um, None of them are... Just particularly conservative. Uh, they're just—they don't represent anything. They don't stand for anything. They're—they're. They're, are they principled? Ron Some of them, yes. Ron Paul is very, very principled. Um, almost too principled.
0: Okay. Rick Santorum stands for a certain um, kind of, dare I say, theocracy. I,
1: I you know, I, I have my problems with Rick Santorum. I don't. You're think... concerned
2: about his
0: his spending habits as a
2: senator.
1: No. Yes, that's definitely. I, I think he's not a fiscal conservative. But beyond that, I. His supporting Arlen Specter is something I can just never forgive because it showed that he was more concerned with politics than with, with doing what was right. Did
0: he support Arlen Specter when he was still a Republican, yes. but a moderate yes, Republican, yes. or did he also support him once he switched over to the Democratic no, Party? No, he
1: supported him against uh, Pat Toomey in a very close, heartbreaking primary, and um, so that's
0: establishment versus Tea Party.
1: there was no such thing back then but yes it was 2008
0: just pre-tea party right it was no it was earlier
1: it was uh, Carol no
2: pass for that I mean support the the Republican the the Republican senator supporting supporting the incumbent from his party home state is a long tradition yeah yeah nothing in common politically it's true and yet that party affiliation home state affiliation incumbency affiliation is one of the longest traditions of the Senate it's just what you do you support the judge from your state you know you support the fellow senator from your state if they're in your party it sort of it sort of keeps the jail together but you say no good
1: right it was um it was like 2003 and i i guess i was much more idealistic then because i took it so personally it was such a close race patumi almost won it and um, I mean, now Pat Toomey's senator, so maybe all can be forgiven someday. But um, <laughs> no, it was it was really hard to watch Rick Santorum support somebody he had nothing politically in common with just because they were happening so to be in the same party.
0: four guys who neither you nor Eric Erickson are enthusiastic about. Right. And here's a question. Is the low turnout in the Republican primaries and caucuses a sign of trouble for November? Or no. isn't it, I think, historically, low turnout— does not necessarily mean low turnout in November.
1: I think it's so obvious why the turnout was low in Tuesday's primary, despite what Newt Gingrich's and uh, Ron Paul's and Rick Santorum supporters believe, the race seems over to a lot of people. So I I, I think that That really depressed Mitt Romney's um, supporters from coming out. Why would they? They think it's over. They think he's going to be the nominee. And that's really what it looks like.
0: People are downplaying these Tuesday primaries as not indicative of anything. No delegates were awarded. The turnouts were low. But I know from hosting a radio call-in show that the people who show up when showing up is voluntary and there's not that much at stake are the people who feel strongly about things. And if yeah, what we see is that Romney st- uh, supporters don't feel strongly about him and Santorum's do, then that matters to something. That might actually matter to turnout in a general election if they're really running right now on the crucible of electability. Well, let's get back to the narrative here. And the narrative is, which one of the three of us has brought the most revealing so political obvious. soundbite <laughs> of the week? And is obviously me because <laughs> my clip reveals – the yearning in america for optimism and a can-do attitude and some of you will already have figured out just from that that my (laughs) clip of the week comes from halftime are you about to make our day brian are you you about to make our day (laughs) in america make my day engineer bill o'neill and hit that clip it's halftime in america too people are out of work and they're hurting And they're all wondering what they're going to do to make a comeback. And we're all scared because this isn't a game. The people of Detroit know a little something about this.
3: They almost lost everything. But we all pulled together. Now Motor City is fighting again.
0: I've seen a lot of tough errors, a lot of downturns in my life, and times when we didn't understand
2: each other. It seems that we've lost our heart at times. The fog
0: of division, discord, and blame made it hard to see what lies ahead. But after those trials, we all rallied around what was right and acted as one. Clint Eastwood's halftime in America, a Chrysler spot. Now, come on, which of you guys does not have chills right now
1: listening to <laughs> I do not have chills.
2: <laughs>
0: People interpret this,
2: you know, halftime in America immediately was interpreted by, you know, the political chatterers, of course, as an in, sort of an endorsement of a, as of a recovery in a second Obama term. I mean, why hasn't Mitt Romney turned around Immediately and said yeah sure Fine it may be halftime in America but when your team isn't doing Well at halftime you change quarterbacks And we need to pull the quarterback who did so Badly in the first half well gee I I think That's what
0: I think that's what the Republicans in general have been doing Karl Rove was out there saying he was Offended by the ad this was Chicago style Politics this was Obama's minions Minions in the auto Industry uh, supporting him For reelection while The White House was down on that same craven level, immediately tweeting out support for the ad, which I think had nothing to do with supporting the Obama administration. Clint Eastwood himself says he's never voted for a Democrat for president and (laughs) is a former Republican, now libertarian in his own politics. But I chose this as the most revealing clip because I think what it really reveals in the public reaction to it is the yearning in America for optimism and a can-do attitude, and how hollow our politics have become. I mean, the Republicans are tearing each other apart more than candidates in any presidential race that I've ever seen. Obama used the State of the Union as a bald-faced campaign address, appealing to a grievance, a sense of unfairness. No one is talking like the commercial did. This commercial was Reagan's Morning in America ad. Mm But sadly, instead of actually being for American renewal, it was there to sell SUVs.
1: Right. I... I liked the ad. I know that that's not the popular Republican position, but I'm all about that kind of optimism. Um, I don't know, at the State of the Union Party here at uh, WNYC, I was one of two people who had—I forgot what it was—on a scale of one to ten, my my hope for America was above a seven or something. Um, so I, I love that kind of stuff. Although I I don't think that Detroit isn't that kind of a recovery. I, yes. The some car companies are doing better, but Detroit itself is still in a really, really bad place.
0: Um, well, that wasn't journalism. That was advertising. Right. So that's
1: <laughs> the thing. I, it's hard for me to like feel all warm and fuzzy about it because I, I don't see Detroit as having made that kind of comeback that Clint Eastwood says it made in the ad.
0: But I didn't take it as so much of a success story except in an advertising spin kind of sense. I think what really struck people about it and what struck me about it was um, this... Let's all get together and make America a better place. I took half time in America as this is a turning point, people. Let's step up. Let's get together. Let's stop all this stupid bickering and do what needs to be done to put mm-hmm. our country back on track. Now, I think that was the Clint Eastwood part. Whether that's going yeah. to sell SUVs for Chrysler, I don't know.
1: It, it's hard not to not to follow that to its natural conclusion. And a lot of Democrats were like, no, we didn't work together. You know, Republicans didn't want to bail out the car companies. And that's true. I, I didn't. And I know other Republicans didn't. Um, so... Yes, I'd like us all to work together, but if it's if it's giving bailouts and handouts to private companies, I'm not sure that that's uh, going to be okay with me.
0: This is why I argue that mine is the most revealing clip of the week than just dragging everybody else who's running against you down and saying this one worked for Freddie Mac or this one laid people off or um, this one uh, gives us health care that, that we don't deserve or whatever it is. Uh, in fact, on our hashtag Twitter essay contest, a number of people showed up with this one. DJ Cigar Guy wrote, enough what? BS in politics. Vote for Clint Eastwood. Yes. (laughs) Halftime in America. I
1: think we could all get behind that.
0: And here's one more that I'll throw out. I'm declaring this the Enough What winner for this week from Product Shop NYC. Enough what? Catholic Church against birth control. What if church says... No epidurals, no vaccines, no cancer screenings. Would that be okay? And, Todd, obviously that has to do with President Obama not allowing an exemption for the Catholic Church or other religious employers um, under the Obama health reform law to not provide contraception services as a covered item in their health insurance plans.
2: Coverage for contraception, that's correct. And if that tweeter thinks it's enough... uh, uh, opposition of the Catholic Church to that kind of coverage that tweeter is going to be disappointed. I have another clip for you just a a, a very recent one from the floor of the house. A Todd's for bonus
0: clip. That's got a cheating. bonus clip
2: here not not part of the contest. I urge everyone out there please do not apply. You will disregard your opinion of this clip when voting in the contest this a week. Clip but this is to supplement clip. the Twitter hashtag winner. <laughs> to supplement the Twitter hashtag winner. This is the speaker on the house floor Uh, On Wednesday, as soon as the House gaveled in, to uh, give you a sense of where Republicans are going with their opposition to the Obama administration rule over coverage of contraception services in insurance. Listen to the speaker.
3: In imposing this requirement, the federal government has drifted dangerously beyond its constitutional boundaries, encroaching on religious freedom in a manner that affects millions of Americans and harms some of our nation's most vital institutions. If the President does not reverse the Department's attack on religious freedom, then the Congress, acting on behalf of the American people and the Constitution that we're sworn to uphold and defend, must.
2: Well, there's the speaker, and he is at the tip of the spear here telling you that congressional Republicans are readying hearings, readying legislation to try to overturn this part of the Affordable Care Act uh, from which this rule um, emanates. I don't know that the White House is going to give them a chance, but if you are sick and tired of this debate over the Catholic Church uh, contraception and coverage for contraception, it's not going to end anytime soon. The Republicans here, and here's why, um, 28 states already, and you guys know this, 28 28 states already have state mandates, mandating contraceptive coverage as part of group health insurance, including in some religious organizations. However, many of those states do have exemptions on religious grounds. The the, the rules vary from state to state. This is nothing new in America. Uh, Most Catholics use contraception. For right now, most Catholics polled on this decision support the White House to a very, very small majority. But this isn't about what most Catholics think. This is about the narrative of President Obama— um, uh, having a war on religion, not understanding American Christian values, and being um, too and being too willing to have the strength and scope of government encroach on people's lives. This is a core base Republican issue that I think has less to do with the actual issue of insurance coverage for contraception and more to do with defining the president as out of touch with may- with with American Christian values. Carol, I bet you have an opinion about that. But Republicans see a you know? CO- Winner here <laughs> Republicans see a winner here and they're gonna push it
1: I'm coming out right now as Jewish so it's really it's not my uh, not my fight to fight but uh, absolutely I think it's a huge mistake and you know people always throw around the the freedom of religion thing and you know right now we're having a whole debate in New York City about whether religious uh, organizations can rent space in public schools and it always comes down to things like that but this is actually the essence of freedom of religion it's freedom from government it's it's government not being able to tell religious organizations what they can and cannot do you don't like it don't be a catholic it's not that difficult
2: and we'll see. This isn't the first time we've had this, you know. We've we, had these arguments over plan B and we've had these arguments over contraception and are you four eighty six. This is not the first time we've had
0: this. We have about. to stop because our listeners have other things to do in their lives <laughs> than listen no to way. the It's a Free <laughs> Country podcast all day and all night. However, maybe this will start a conversation or deepen a conversation among Catholics in America who will get reminded that, oh yeah, my church isn't only against abortion. My church is against contraception. Mm-hmm. Is that a reasonable position that I don't want to voice uh, some um, opposition to, as some Catholics may ask themselves? Anyway, listeners, remember, it is your responsibility to vote in the primary when it comes to your state <laughs> we'll in November. And vote for the most revealing soundbite of the week. And who had it? Me, Todd. Or Carol Markowitz, It's a Free Country blogger. Thank you for being our guest this week. Thank
1: you so much for having me. And
0: also, listeners, remember we want your Twitter posts just right around the hashtag, What Matters. And we'll read some of the best ones on the air next week, right around the hashtag, What Matters. And thanks for listening. Bye, everybody. Bye.